0: Today's guest, Anaïs Neumann.
1: Whenever you bring a profile to the table, show them that you are bringing this profile for a reason. I think what I see a lot of recruiters do, um, I mean, which is okay, especially if it's not exec, right? But they look at a role specification, they highlight almost with a marker, three keywords, they Type those keywords into LinkedIn and they're like, Hey, I found this guy in this company. They have the three keywords, right? All good. <laughs> and then you realize when you deep a little, you, when you dive a little bit deeper, they don't know anything about the company. They don't know anything about the cultural fit, if there's any. And sometimes you have to find this out. But what is important to me is to be able to go to my stakeholders or for folks on my team, right? I want them to go to stakeholders and say, look, I've just, you know, gone. I've just brought you this profile from Delivery Hero, because we know that right now it's kind of easy to get the talent from Delivery Hero. We know that there's difficulties. I mean, we of course don't want to, you know, um, take advantage of, of of a bad situation. But this is, you know, this is this is the jungle of recruiting, right? You look into uh, the companies that might now have talent that may have lower engagement rate, great talent that is looking perhaps for, uh, for their next step, right? And uh, yeah, we, we brought this profile because we know that this company, uh, Delivery Hero, has a specific uh, has built a specific product, which is called XYZ, which is really relevant to what we are trying to build. How does that sound? Because... Oftentimes, what you're bringing to a hiring manager is an executive recruiting is a passive profile, is a passive candidate. What do you have from this passive candidate? Nothing. You haven't reached out. You're just bringing a LinkedIn profile. And chances are that with a LinkedIn profile of a person that is Top of the rocks, right? They're really good. They don't necessarily need to cultivate a neat LinkedIn profile with a lot of information because they're happy where they are. Um, obviously, they're passive. So you have to tell the story of the candidate and why you brought that candidate, even without really having um, all of the having spoken with them, without having all the information there. But say, hey, I can only guess that this would be someone worth reaching out to for the reasons ABC, right? Bring them on the journey to what the market looks like. Um, I always tell my team, look, we've got so many um, so many times we are so excited about bringing perfection to hiring managers, right? Hey, I want to bring only the perfect profiles that we forget, that we have to show them how much filtering we have to do to get to these profiles, who we don't include in the calibration or who we don't push to a hiring manager screen so that they understand, Hey, this, this is the quality. This is already sort of the bar that we're looking at and anything that you haven't seen so far is just simply because it doesn't hit the bar.
0: We talked about executive hiring from the basics, how to get started, market mapping, um, up to in-depth um, tactics. Um, how to manage executives and how to leverage your data and also um, about her time at Amazon how to do bar raising what's the principle when it makes sense when not Um, Facebook HelloFresh and jump into the startup world and we also do a second episode because there's so much content we need to talk about so that's part one then you can build trust and then you can spend less time communicating and more time just getting shit done. Then I went home and, and thought about this sentence. We basically put it on the table. Hiring takes time. People are trained. How to objectively judge certain it's situations. It's very, 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 very hard to change that. That was the learning. Entrepreneurs with empathy. On the people side. Welcome Anaïs. We met at the <laughs> event where we both spoke um, on a panel about um, diversity and ramping up in uncertain times of um, the current um, economical state and i really like the conversation we had before and after and during Mm -hmm. the panel and now we are here (laughs) sitting in the podcast i'm so excited Um, so maybe give us a bit more about your um, uh, context about yourself
1: yeah, thanks Thomas. Thanks for having me. Um so, about myself, I am actually a French, at least that's what the pa- the the passport says. Uh but my parents are German, which explains the the last name. So, uh yeah, uh I grew up in France and uh in the in the very um in the very border basically of, of France and Germany. Which means that Luxembourg is not very far. So basically, after having completed my studies, uh, Luxembourg was the best place to be in order to find like a interesting companies. I mean, it's uh, for various tax-related reasons and financial reasons, it's the home of... Amazon, PayPal, Vodafone, like those big uh, giants, if you will, even Apple with iTunes, uh, from a payments perspective. Um, so yeah, I actually managed to get into recruiting. I want to say a little bit by chance. I, I didn't know that I was going to like it, but, uh, there we were, there we were, had an internship at Adeco, which I think most people know as sort of a, an interim slash placement agency stayed there for three years. And the cool thing there is that we were working a lot with the European institutions, right? Uh, And major um, clients that we had to do call for tenders for, and one of those clients was Amazon. And uh, historically at ADECO, Amazon has been this, this sort of difficult to crack t- t- uh, type of client looking for very, very special profiles. And it turns out that I managed to crack, uh, you know, the, the, the different things that, that Amazon were looking for in terms of their cultural match and whatnot. And uh, yeah, about three years into my, uh, my role at ADECO, I got someone from the executive recruiting de- uh, team there. I reached out and said, Anais, we really liked what you did in, exec- uh, um, in ADECO. And uh, yeah, we want you to be part of kind of ramping up Um, executive recruitment for Amazon in Europe. The team had been super new, maybe around for like six months or something, uh, made up of um, loads of ex-Corn Ferry and uh, um, Spencer Stewart consultants, so really crammed de la crop when it comes to executive recruiting. And I was like, wow, I'm never going to pass this process. I don't know what it's like. I mean, I did really application-based recruiting, but hey, um, I'm always uh, up for the challenge. And it worked out. So they taught me everything there was to know, you know, really starting more, um, in a sourcing capacity. So we learned how to, uh, I learned how to, how to really, you know, map companies, industries, uh, do like all these organizational charts and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, I just moved my my merry way through the different ranks, right, from sort of a sourcing capacity to, uh, you know, junior recruiters, senior recruiters, starting to lead also uh, sourcers and, and recruiting coordinators. And it was just wonderful because so I joined in 2013 when Amazon was really just expanding into all of these countries in Europe. Kindle was just starting. Um, we've witnessed the, the, the fire phone flopping. Um, just really exciting, and also AWS starting really to to hit uh, in Europe, and that brings me to sort of my uh, uh, my next challenge. After sort of four years in executive recruiting, I was like, "What's next?" <laughs> so I've got this down. Yeah, that's and really exciting.
0: Uh, let's let's shortly pause here because you mentioned sure? something very exciting, and that's you learned executive recruiting, um, and you just started with market mapping with. Um, mapping down companies, understanding industries and so on. Mm -hmm. How do you learn executive recruitment? I think that's also exciting for many recruiters out there.
1: Yeah, very good question. Um, I think it was a very, very process-driven team. You know, a team, as I said, that came from sort of those uh, those top uh, um, executive recruitment consultancies. They have this very specific process where before you start a search or the moment you start a search, there's a, there's a methodology to it, right? Um, first of all, you know, intake meeting, of course, right? But after that, you've got like this, this period of two weeks where what you're going to do is really map who is the target you Universe, like who are the target companies you want to go into? Um, we were mapping all of the Amazon competitors. We were mapping, um, say for example, we were starting um, to look for uh, someone that was going to bring Kindle into stores. Right, Kindle was only um, was only sold in uh, uh, on Amazon.com, right, or on Amazon.de or whatever it was, and they wanted to, of course, bring that hardline sales. Into the store. So, uh, who do we map? Who are companies that have done the same things? Um, who are, what are the companies that have, um, hardware sales, you know, of, of these sorts of consumer related products? So you drop the list. You look at the top people in there. We had spreadsheets, literally. I mean, everything was spreadsheet-based, right? As you can imagine. Um, We had spreadsheets of this is the number one. Okay, two seniors. So who's the number two? What is the team underneath them? Can we look at them in terms of seniority levels, right? Calibrating. And that brings us to sort of, you know, the, the whole product of these two first weeks, the calibration meeting with, um, with the hiring manager, right? Our long list, usually 50 names that we would go through meticulously with the hiring manager, which would then sort of, sh- um, uh, sort of translate into a short list of, um, of of good looking, you know, calibrated profiles that we would reach out to. It was done in batches mostly, right? You reach out to those first 20 people from the shortlist, see what gives, start to talk to them. Talking with the candidates at the time was also quite, yeah, quite a big step for me because instead of actually saying, Hey, we've got this role. Are you interested? It was more like, Hey, so, um, this is Amazon. (laughs) We're growing. There's exciting opportunities. Let's talk. Never putting your cards on the table, getting as much information from them as you want, as you need, not just to give them the role right away and just tell them about the details, but to understand, okay, is this really someone I want to offer this role to? Um, Maybe I need to go for the one above, or maybe I need to go for the one below. So it was really meticulous fact-finding and quite exciting. So all of this, really, I was taught by by the folks that that kind of uh, mentored me, right? Uh, most of them are still with Amazon to date, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it was a great entrance into it was a great uh, sort of uh, normative period for me.
0: For instance, how do you map a market? Do you look on LinkedIn or on Crunchbase, or what do you do nowadays? Yeah,
1: uh, nowadays, but even in, back in the days, I think. Um, what we did is is really we were scanning through press releases, for example, right? We were scanning through, um, we were scanning through TechCrunch articles. We were scanning through all of the different things. You know, I, I had a bookmark. Let me just think about that. I had bookmarks with, um, you know, Retail Week and and all of these big outlets that um, could tell you who are the movers and shakers. Right, those are the people that we want to go for. Again, this is Amazon, so we had quite the budget, quite the, uh, uh, quite the ambition. So nothing was was out of limits. Um, today in my role, of course, we still have ambitions. We still want to hire big, but in terms of the bandings and and what is even possible, um, and this level of seniority that we can technically attract into the role. So I work, I currently work at Fellow Fresh. I think we didn't get to that, but, uh, you know, went full cycle, uh, back into executive recruiting after a couple of stints of, of, uh, high volume tech and business recruiting. But yeah, there, um, it's obviously a different business, different level of, um, uh different leveling also from an executive benchmarking perspective and uh, you, yeah you you have to know who you can approach realistically to actually make the best out of your time as well
0: and then also when it comes to let's say the calibration um, this is i think a very critical piece in the executive um recruiting process what how do you tackle the hiring manager because usually mm-hmm. they are quite busy at that level um Yep. Ideally, they prioritize hiring, but sometimes they just say <laughs> and don't do or act like this. <laughs> so yeah. how do you really get um, get them involved? And also, um, I think it, it always sounds a bit like a victim, but h- how do you get, get the trust that you can find the right people for them and they listen to you? Um, mm-hmm. Because I think that's also a critical piece sometimes um, because why why should they right i think you also need mm-hmm. to provide value yeah
1: yeah absolutely yeah that's a great question um the way that i see it and <laughs> Totally to your point. There's hiring managers that will not really care. There's hiring managers who are totally with you. Obviously, I like to partner the most with the latter because you get more done. But if you have sort of a hiring manager that, you know, sometimes gets frustrated at, I guess, the bureaucratic or administrative aspect of hiring, doesn't really know where to start, especially new hiring managers that have never hired for the company that you work with. It's their first requisition. They've just joined, I don't know, six months ago or less, and they're just Boom, we we got to hire now. Uh, (laughs) So here, I think what's important is uh, twofold, right? Really understanding what it is that they want and why, right? So again, one thing that I take from my time at at Amazon is sort of this whole, okay, there's must-haves. There's nice to have. So let's talk about it. If you think that this person needs to be um, sort of really a good communicator, why? Tell me what are the different situations when they'll need to use this, right? And, um, and then picking this apart, right? Um, if they tell you, okay, we want this person to have A, B, and C okay, if this person can only come with A and C, would you be okay to close an eye if B wasn't as strong, right? Kind of almost bargaining and through, it's almost coaching, right? Through these questions, making them understand, yeah, maybe you're right. Like I would ideally love everything, but if we had to prioritize, then I would go for A and B and we can perhaps close an eye on C. So really listening to them and trying to get to the bottom of what, uh, of why they're looking for what they're looking. Um, and oftentimes, you know, you're in situations where you're going to come to the realization happened to me not too long ago, where someone comes to you, I want to hire a senior director. Okay, tell me about the team, two people. Okay, <laughs> are you Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that we're a <laughs> that this a is scoped at senior director, or uh, that we will realistically like if you if I was to approach you for a role as a senior director, um, and you're probably a senior director in your current company, right? And I'm approaching you for a senior director role, and I'm telling you you've got a team of two how would you, what would you, what would be your first reaction? And then they're like, yeah, you're right. I think maybe that's, uh, it's probably not going to fly. So really kind of mirroring um, things back to them. And I think the third tip is also just whenever you bring a profile to the table, show them that you are bringing this profile for a reason. I think what I see a lot of recruiters do, um, I mean, which is okay, especially if it's not exec, right? But they look at a role specification, they highlight almost with a marker, three keywords, They type those keywords into LinkedIn and they're like, hey, I found this guy in this company. They have the three keywords, right? All good. (laughs) And then you realize when when you dive a little bit deeper, they don't know anything about the company. They don't know anything about the cultural fit, if there's any. And sometimes you have to find this out. But what is important to me is to be able to go to my stakeholders or for folks on my team, right? I want them to go to stakeholders and say, look. I've just, you know, gone. I've just brought you this profile from Delivery Hero, because we know that right now it's kind of easy to get the talent from Delivery Hero. We know that there's difficulties. I mean, we of course don't want to, you know, um, take advantage of, of of a bad situation. But this is, you know, this is this is the jungle of recruiting, right? You look into uh, the companies that might now have talent that. May have lower engagement rate. Great talent that is looking perhaps for uh, for their next step, right? And uh, yeah, we we brought this profile because we know that this company, uh, Delivery Hero, has a specific uh, has built a specific product which is called XYZ, which is really relevant to what we are trying to build. How does that sound? Because. Oftentimes, what you're bringing to a hiring manager is an executive recruiting is a passive profile, is a passive candidate. What do you have from this passive candidate? Nothing. You haven't reached out. You're just bringing a LinkedIn profile. And chances are that with a LinkedIn profile of a person that is Top of the rocks, right? They're really good. They don't necessarily need to cultivate a neat LinkedIn profile with a lot of information because they're happy where they are. Um, Obviously, they're passive. So you have to tell the story of the candidate and why you brought that candidate, even without really having um, all of the, having spoken with them without having all the information there, but say, hey, I can only guess that this would be someone worth reaching out to for the reasons ABC, right? Bring them on the journey to what the market looks like. Um, I always tell my team, look, we've got so many um, so many times we are so excited about bringing perfection to hiring managers, right? Hey, I want to bring only the perfect profiles that we forget, that we have to show them how much filtering we have to do to get to these profiles, who we don't include in the calibration or who we don't push to a hiring manager screen so that they understand, hey, this this is the quality. This is already sort of the bar that we're looking at. And anything that you haven't seen so far is just simply because it doesn't hit the bar. But yeah, I'm going to stop here for a second. I hope this answers your question in terms of how to kind of earn trust. I think, you know, being a real industry expert um, that can bring valuable insights into the market that some hiring managers don't have the time to gather or just don't have the interest or it's something completely new to them
0: in case you like my show please subscribe i would really appreciate it yeah exactly and i think that's that's key and um, i also set up some executive departments not at your scope at a smaller scope at a smaller organization with maybe 1 people and so on um, and this is what i also taught don't make your life harder than it already is. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. Because as you said, sometimes y- you just have a narrow um, potential what you already can engage or are engaged. And then um, maybe for a non-executive hiring or when everything is clear, yeah, you maybe don't want to bother too too much with candidates that are not even interested anyway, because mm-hmm. there may be enough out there who are already interested. Just move, over with, uh, move through with them and get it done. Yeah. Um, yeah. But once you get to that level, I think you really need to be very careful on also how to spend your time because this can be very time consuming and you can spend a lot of time doing it. So you better be effective.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely.
0: And then, um, so we stopped at the Amazon Amazon experience um, piece. Yes. Um, What what did you do then afterwards? Because I think you also worked in a more early stage startup as well once and then uh, back to HelloFresh.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. yeah, there, there's a couple more stages in between. I think for me, uh, what was sort of a, a pivotal stage was uh, when I said, "Okay, what's after executive recruiting?" Like, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed executive recruiting because it puts you in a very exciting position. We always had the inside scoop in terms of everything, but, um, but things just move a little slower, right? For good reason. So I was thinking, "Hey, what about you know?" faster recruiting right the non-executive recruiting what does it feel like to have to look after 12 15 or whatever open positions at the same time um i wasn't quite sure if i wanted to make the move but then something absolutely amazing happened so um i was asked to um I was asked to help hiring a VP to open a data science uh, and engineering uh, um, hub in Tel Aviv in Israel uh, with Amazon. Uh, fun fact is uh, apparently everyone in my team got asked if they wanted to do this and it involved kind of going over there and uh, <laughs> and and kind of, you know, talking to the folks there, having face-to-face real like uh, coffee chats with potential candidates, setting the stage. And everyone said, "Mm, no, I'm good. Like, I'm married, got my kids, don't really necessarily want to go to Israel for whatever reasons. And I was the last one that they asked. And I said, of course, yes. Why would I say no? And this turned out, you know, basically two weeks turned out and it turned out to be four weeks, turned out to be six weeks. And then. I hired not just a VP but also uh, a director and a senior manager and suddenly I asked myself well now that they've got the 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 top like engineering and data science leads who's going to hire the rest there was you know no recruiting team there and I asked and and he said well we we will have to hire someone and I said how about me <laughs> and they said yeah sure so I went there uh set up uh everything from scratch uh you know from a recruiting perspective there um and uh you know built two teams and two hubs high and tel aviv uh made some amazing connections with whom i'm still in touch today and uh yeah that that's how amazon kind of treated me to this new stage and this new um personal and professional sort of uh uh yeah <laughs> experience then um about a year after um i i moved to to tel aviv actually um i was a lot in competition with facebook who is also had just created their hub as well maybe you know two three times prior or three years prior and uh, we were always competing with them their candidates were rarely ever not in offer stage with us and with Facebook. And so at some point, like, you know, it's a small, it's a small country. It's a small city. Work gets around, right? I was always in competition with the same recruiters. And then they thought, well, why don't we bring her and neutralize her? And that's what happens. So (laughs) Um, Facebook came a knocking and uh, asked me to do basically the same, like start um, hiring for their most senior engineering profiles, machine learning, um, you know, staff engineers, uh, principals, architects, right? Um, did that. After about a year, I was like, ah, you know, I, it's, it's a very small market. I want to do something a little bit more, a little bit faster. Again, see, I get bored very easily, right? And um, came back into business recruiting. So, um, basically, marketing, finance, um, and PR profiles. Um, and oh, also legal profiles, uh, data protection for Facebook, also at the the senior level, not exec, but still, Um, yeah. And then COVID came around, and <laughs> uh, Facebook wasn't able to uh, wasn't able to extend my visa in Israel. And by the time I'd already met someone, and we decided, hey, maybe that's that's a sign, and and we're going to move back to Germany, or not back because I've never actually lived in Germany, but we <laughs> was always very close to me, and uh, that's where I started um, at Pitch, which was for me also super huge change because I'd been in these big companies where, granted, one of the reasons. I moved around a lot internally, laterally, is because simply, if you don't move laterally, you're just stuck in that same lane, right? You're doing, I don't know, data protection lawyers 24 seven, and that's it, and you get good at it, yeah, that's great. But um, if you're someone that likes to have their hands in in other things, like, I don't know, candidate experience, employer branding, you cannot because there's always someone, another team that has ownership of this area. So um, coming into pitch was like, hey, you've got a blank page. There's no one taking care of anything right now. Your first mandate is recruiting and whatever, you know, you can pick up, do it. And uh, I came, I picked up. Pretty much, you know, whatever I could and enjoyed it because it's, you know, you've got all the great processes uh, that you learn from these big companies. Not all of them can translate, but uh, yeah, you, you can just get, you, you've got that goal completion serotonin, like times 100. Um, yeah. And that's pitch. Now, Pitch uh, did very well. We um, had a small team there, hired about uh, um, 90 people. Unfortunately, um, rough times uh, circa, when was it? 2022 for a lot of startups in Berlin, right? So um, Pitch wasn't... um, wasn't spared. Unfortunately, I still stayed on, which, you know, I'm still very thankful for. And it allowed me to pivot into more employee experience. How do we care for the folks that are, um, that are still with the company? How do we evolve from there? Uh, but ultimately when HelloFresh came a knocking and um, you know, bigger company, more established processes, but still sort of great foundations, but a lot of uh, opportunity to kind of uh, yeah, move things, move the needle. It was hard to say no, especially since they asked me to to go back into executive recruiting, which by the time I hadn't done in the past four years. And uh yeah, I was slowly but surely thinking about, hey, how about I get back into it? So it was just a great, um great circumstantial, yeah, stroke of luck, I wanna say. So this exactly. is where I am now. <laughs>
0: Is, and and um, we also talked a bit about the whole bar raising concept where you uh, yes. are pretty really involved. Can you also give a bit more context about the um, hiring piece? Because I think a lot of startups and a lot of founders, they all think mm-hmm. that they're the best and then they need bar raiser hiring, but they never really um, experienced something like this before or think they do something like this, but don't.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, bar raising is sort of this, this big thing that was started now, I think almost yeah, 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago at Amazon, which um, the concept is very simple, right? Uh, you want to make sure that you hire the best and you want to make sure that you don't hire under under stress, right? So a hiring manager oftentimes, when they find a candidate, um, you know, they're like, "Listen, I need someone so badly that I'm going to be fine with this person." And maybe they don't see sort of the 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 tree from all the wood, right? So, um, the trees from all the woods. So, <laughs> so the bar raiser concept is basically bringing in someone who is a seasoned. Um, tenured employee that has interviewed that is not going to check for technical skills. Like, um, say, for example, you're hiring someone in marketing, your bar raiser can come from finance. It doesn't matter. They don't need to be a marketing expert. But what they will check is, is this person at the right level in terms of communication behavior and leadership principles in the case uh, of Amazon? And um, overall, looking at everybody else's feedback, is this a hire worth making or should we abstain? because you know maybe they're not at the bar right so um, it's a it's a neutral interviewer that you know is there as, as the voice of reason and sometimes also the devil's advocate and can sometimes veto uh, so I was also part of, of the bar as a committee in Amazon it's uh, you know enjoyed this very much I'm, I'm very much a hands-on recruiter still in my in my day-to-day and interviewer and it just gives you so much exposure to other parts of the business um, so I think it's a wonderful it's a great program if it is well executed and I know that um, this is such a buzzword for like you say startups you know mid to um, um, you know small to mid-sized companies and and growing companies that they're trying to implement something very very similar say for example HelloFresh as well we're thinking about how can we uh, make sure that we keep the same quality of profiles now I think you know it doesn't need to be bar raising, right? It Doesn't need to be a bar raiser. I think what is important is to just have, you know, some very clear processes when it comes to what you, uh, what it is that you that you look at when you hire someone. Um, talking about technical skills, talking about behavioral skills, right? And to have a very clear interview process with focus areas. Uh, as long as you have that down, Pat, you don't necessarily need to go and and introduce. A very admin heavy bar raiser program. Um, yeah, I, I've seen a lot of companies, I've consulted also with a lot of companies that have failed. To be
0: honest, to be honest, I also think that you also need to have the people that you can also rely on with the decision yeah. making. And this is yep. um, I think one piece to not underestimate.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I was uh, consulting, um, you know, the previous year with with a company that was, I think, um, yeah, 70, 80 people. And they were thinking about um, putting in place a bar raiser. Um, and I said, okay, fine. Well, who are some of the interviewers that A, have tenure, which in a company that had only been around for three years is, you know, everybody's got tenure, right? Um, who has tenure? Who knows exactly what the company's, uh, what the startup's culture fit means, right? And I. I'm always hearing the same. Yeah, let's let's use the co-founder or let's use someone at C-level. But I don't think that this is the right way to go because um, a co-founder or someone at C-level will always have a very, very specific idea of, uh, of, of what they're looking for. Right. Uh, they're also, you know, it's, it's not cheap. To bring them into every single interview loop, um, as we call it, right? And uh, uh, time is money, right? They, they can't be interviewing two, three times a, a week for positions that they're not as close to. So um, yeah, you're, you're right. It's a size thing. You need to have, um, you need to be, I think, a slightly more mature company that has also those folks that may not uh, be at the very helm of the company that can still be great, and I say, talent ambassadors or company ambassadors.
0: In case you have any feedback or anything you want to share with me, please send me an email on thomas at peoplewise.com or hit me up on LinkedIn. And in case you really enjoy the show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. And I also think it needs to be a priority, right? If you see that, oh, there is maybe some patterns where we make some... maybe not bad decisions, but it could be better and we see it as a pattern, then I think it's the right time to think about it because then you also can um prioritize it because then it's yeah. an overall company priority right because it's an overall company problem maybe or um inefficiency um another piece i would like to tackle into is sure. executive hiring and diversity um because oh,
1: God.
0: <laughs> let's say especially hiring female engineering leaders it's tough right mm-hmm. um, how do you approach yeah. it and what maybe give us a bit more thoughts about that and um, a, a story to your experience
1: Ooh uh yeah where to start i mean let's not uh let's not uh uh, you know, <laughs> run around the pot. I think you know we all know diversity is hard. The higher you go up in the levels, um, you know, in terms of the the recruiting um, levels that that you're hiring for, the, the more difficult it gets. Um, executive recruiting is sort of that pinnacle. Then you have that niche environment that, or or that niche uh, domain that you're talking about, which is engineering. You're <laughs> like, okay, your chances are substantially reduced. So what do you do? I mean, um, so again it really depends are you hiring for a startup like pitch are you hiring for for an established renowned company like Amazon or for uh, you know sizable uh, mid player like like hello Fresh? I think uh, the the possibilities and also the pool that you have is a little bit uh, is, is very different right um, one super high employer branding budget uh, one uh, that isn't so known but maybe there's a little bit more um, there isn't there's a little bit more personal uh, uh, personal connectivity to the mission. Anyway, um, one of the things that you're never going to get around is, is the fact that there are less profiles available. But do you know who those profiles are? So what I've done consistently in the past, you know, be it with Pitch or with Amazon or with uh, now with HelloFresh is, well, you know, it's going to be hard and you know that the folks that you bring in ultimately are going to drop out uh Little by little, or the the ratio the dropout ratio the the more you advance in the, in the stages is going to increase. so what you want to do is you want to time your approach to diversity hiring right um, i'm going to backtrack for a second and just uh, you know go not on uh, making a couple of assumptions, but actual experience has told us that uh, when you um, engage a men. Uh, a man, and when you, or, or you know, non-underrepresented uh, uh, person, right, and you engage a, a member of an unre- um, of an underrepresented group, it will usually take uh, that the latter a lot longer to think about, okay, do I want to talk to this recruiter? Do I want to get back? Do I want to really waste people's time, right? I think there's a lot of hesitance, and perhaps there is an increased need for selling the role, but not overselling either. Right. So I guess the, the, the handling is a lot, is a lot more, you, you need to handle these, uh, these profiles with a lot more care and you have to understand that timing here is everything. So what we do, very concrete action step is we over, uh, prioritize reaching out, um, reaching out to, to underrepresented uh, folks in our pipeline first to give them the opportunity to kind of come around and say, yeah, okay, fine. Let's talk. Right. Uh, we do this. And then, uh, almost doing doing an undercover search before we go out and start the whole referrals and start the whole maybe even posting the job online, right, which will open the floodgates. So before we do this, we try to convert as many people as possible. And especially in engineering, trying to keep, which is not always easy, but trying to keep a, a disproportionate amount of outreaches uh, with, um, with sort of you know those uh, those diver- this diverse talent that you can identify. Now, this is the moment where usually, if you if you share this openly with a hiring manager, they go, "What are you doing? Isn't this positive discrimination? We just want someone that can do the job, right?" And obviously, as a recruiter, also you want to bring someone that can do the job that's going to stay with the company. But um, yeah, you do have to make the sacrifice where you first start doing this this outreach effort. You uh, you work against those timelines. And then, um, you know, you can of course start and and reach out to these perfect profiles that you've seen that might not be diverse, but do it at a later stage because then you have a lot more chances to align the timelines. And you know, I've had it many times also in the, in the past couple of months here at HelloFresh that we had, you know, male versus female at the very last stages, and then you know, you've you've given the business the opportunity to see both sides of the story like both types of profiles and to make a conscious decision around which profile is the best in all things considered um and as a recruiter your um responsibility is also and kind of going back to the bar raiser um program right recruiters can be bar raisers right recruiters know um know also what's going to work and what's not going to work with the company if they've, uh, if they've put the time in to understand what a success profile looks like. So they can also, when you're on a debrief talking about a candidate, um, they can also jump in and say, Hey, can we, can we stop talking about this person's demeanor perhaps? Or can we not, can we, can we? <laughs> pause on the fact that this person maybe was wearing, I don't know, Crocs and <laughs> and talk about true story. And talk about um, you know, their technical abilities to the job, you know, the way that they would engage with stakeholders, right? So um oftentimes um y- Processes candidates can um, can get hung up on something very biased, and uh, sometimes recruiters, especially the more junior ones, are very uncomfortable. You know, whistleblowing, if I can put it that way, they're uncomfortable to say, "Well, you know, are you sure about that?" But I think it's it's really the recruiter's job to challenge and and to always say, "Hey, let me be the devil's advocate for a second here. Are we having a false negative? Are we focusing on the wrong things?" So yeah, that those are some of the tips in a very long-winded fashion that I would that I would share.
0: Thank you so much, Anis. I really really enjoyed the conversation. Who is a guest I should interview next?
1: Ooh, uh that's a great question. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe I'll get back to you on that. But uh, there, there's uh, definitely a lot of folks that i can think of it depends like what do you want to bring to your listeners right i know that that your listeners can be both um you know founders uh and business owners but also recruiters that want to um you know improve in their craft so what's what's one of the topics that that you may not have had um, you know, on your podcast and tell me that oh, and I'll I tell I you. A,
0: I covered a lot of um, topics already, but I think it's always about a certain perspective on a topic. And I think what you have is a certain um, exposure and net, network of um, people that saw excellence. And I think that's something really exciting, also from a bigger scope, maybe, and a more global perspective as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let me get back to you on that. Because I've got uh, I've got this network, um, you know what you can think about is um, also obviously you know how do you how do you drive diversity more from a program management perspective, right? It doesn't necessarily need to be from a recruiter's perspective, but I think a lot of companies right now um, see the importance of DNI. Um, then, um, well, DNI as a program, right, that is being managed not just uh, from a recruiting side and uh, sourcing. I'm wondering if, if you've got, you know, some some folks uh, that, uh, yeah. <laughs> so. I, I
0: had a, um, a guest, Allah. I'll shout out to Allah. We did a tech sourcing live session in the podcast.
1: Nice. You That's know? very good. I <laughs> didn't Outside know of you of had.
0: LinkedIn, just with Boolean strings um, and so on, right?
1: Oh, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Let okay. me let me think about it and I'll I'll give you some more I'll give you some more tips. <laughs> yeah,
0: and thanks for your time. I really really enjoyed it. It's also a passion topic of my heart.
1: Yeah, uh, it is. It's really fun, and I think we've only you know scratched the surface of what there is to say about executive recruiting. You know, uh, I'd love to come back and tell you a little bit more about you know the fine art of engaging execs, talent pooling. I mean, this is this is a topic that I'm I'm really excited about, right? How do you uh, not hire for the now, but build your Build your little black book uh, that can allow you to kind of really, um, you know, get the person engaged for uh, the perfect role once it comes up. And I think especially in diversity, actually, now that I think about it, it's something we discussed at the event that that we were both at, especially in diversity, sometimes, um, you know, trying to engage diverse talent for a specific role under some form of urgency doesn't work out as well as um, you know, building that, paving that way, having an exploratory conversation, getting someone engaged about just the sheer mission of the company and what they can accomplish so that when something comes up, uh, you can just really like you know, jump onto the occasion and say, Hey, uh, you know, Jill, is there, uh, uh, I've got this really exciting opportunity that I've been dying to tell you more about. Do you want to hear about it? Right. And that, that level of engagement, I, I feel this is very different, um, from when you just, you know, live contact someone for a specific opportunity because they feel pigeonholed sometimes when really what execs, um, can, can, benefit from the most is a little bit of career coaching we as recruiters can be career coaches right and and help them understand you know uh what could be a good step by by asking the right questions sorry i went a little overboard here uh, overboard but as yeah, you because
0: can it's tell so i already took a note on we need yeah. to follow up and do another one
1: <laughs> maybe yeah absolutely i mean i'm 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 always game
0: <laughs> cool um and thanks it was really nice
1: yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, you have a great uh, weekend, and uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm I'm up whenever you want to have me again.